Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Plex Pod. I'm sure you can already tell based on this intro and just based on the overall sound, the production value of this podcast has skyrocketed after the the interest in the first episode. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you guys so much for all the support on this podcast. The first episode is doing very well so far, at least for my expectations on how it was going to do. And since you guys have been so supportive, I just wanted to let you guys know the podcast is available now on Spotify, Audible, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. So no matter what platform you're on, you can always find the PlexPod and listen in every single week, every single Monday. You can get your weekly fix of this podcast because I know you guys have been liking it so much. And I just want to take a second to talk about episode one with uh, me and Jillian. It was our mock draft in case you missed it. No point in going back and listening to it now unless you want to see how wrong we were because we were terribly wrong. I think the only pick I got right was Victor Wimbanyama to the um, San Antonio Spurs. Unless, oh no, I'm forgetting. I also got Noah Clowney to the Brooklyn Nets right. I'm pretty sure that was those were the only two picks I projected correctly in my mock draft out of 30. Not, not including the second round because I didn't do the second round. So as I was saying in that episode, mock drafts are very difficult. So I'm not too, I'm not too upset at it. I called it then. I'm calling it now. I knew it was going to happen. I knew we were going to do absolutely horrendous on the mock. But it was still fun nonetheless. It was cool to see Julian's thoughts. And I think his was better than mine, to be honest. But I'm like I'm just trying to think of the winners and losers of, of the draft because this is the this is June twenty sixth, so the draft was on Thursday, I believe. What is it, twenty second now? I believe it was when the draft was happening. And I'm trying to think biggest winners and losers. Obviously, the Spurs are the biggest winner. They got Victor Romanyama, but we knew that even before the draft happened, they were going to get be a winner. They got Victor. The honestly, call me crazy. The Hornets are kind of winners as well. They got some pretty good scores in the end of the first round. They got who? Nick Smith. They got Bryce Sensabaugh. They got some pretty good picks. The Houston Rockets are winners. Getting Amen Thompson, that franchise point guard, and Cam Whitmore at 20. Cam Whitmore at 20 is unbelievable. Losers, I think the Orlando Magic are kind of losers. They took Anthony Black at 6, which might have been a reach. And then they took Jet Howard at 11 for shooting, even though Grady Dick was still on the board. And speaking of Grady Dick, yep, my Toronto Raptors took Grady Dick. I I don't know how to feel about it just yet. I, I, it hadn't even like gone through my head that the Raptors could be in the running for Grady, Grady Dick, so I didn't even really look at him that much. But he seems like a good energy. He seems like a, a good like locker room guy. Him and Scotty Barnes are already getting along. And there's been a lot of media attention on him so far, which is rare for my Toronto Raptors, so I'll take it. Only thing I'm worried about is him taking touches from my guy Gary Trent Jr. and my guy Odinanobi, since he's another wing. That's why I was so, so dead set on the Raptors getting a point guard. Just because Fred VanVleet likely leaving in free agency, get the next franchise guy that doesn't take from anyone else on the team. But it is what it is. So, 
for today's episode in mind. It is just me. It's a solo episode, by the way. We got no guests today. want to see what it's like with just me. This might be 20 minutes long. I don't know. Whatever it is, you're still hearing it. You're still getting it. This is still on Spotify today once it's done being edited. Today, we are doing uh, buying and selling stock for NBA players. So basically, if you want to buy someone's stock, it's like you think they're going to have a, a very up season. They're going to skyrocket, skyrocket in value. And if you're selling someone's stock, you think they're going to have a bad season and their value is going to plummet. So you're selling the stock before it happens. And I believe it was um, KOT4Q, Kenny Through the Wire, who did this idea first. So I'm going to say credit out to him because I think this is an amazing idea. And after that, we are doing some insanely early pre-free agency award predictions. So that is what MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Sixth Man of the Year, and Most Improved Player. So we'll get to that afterwards. Okay, might as well just jump right in. First off, we're going to start with the buying of stocks. So the people I think are going to have very up seasons are going to break out. Who knows? Maybe win most improved player. Maybe make an all-star team. Even if it's not that, their stats are going to jump up. They're going to be a much better player this year than they were the year prior. First off, we got some Washington Wizards love on this list. So if you're Wizards fans, look forward to that. First off, we have Daniel Gafford. I am a huge Daniel Gafford fan. I think getting Porzingis out of there, getting Beal out of there, let Daniel Gafford run the five, be the starting center next to Jordan Poole. And we have Denny Avdia, Corey Kispert, Kulbali. I think Daniel Gafford can easily be like a 15 and 10 guy for this Washington Wizards team. I think he's going to be a great lob threat, good rim protector. He's got to work on his drop coverage. But other than that, I think Daniel Gafford is truly going to break out and find his role on this Washington Wizards team this year. I think Poole's going to do a good job. They got Tyus Jones. They got Monte Morris. Got great playmakers around Gafford to get him in his spots. I think his offense is truly going to come out of its shell this year, and we're going to see. Yeah, I, my guess is probably like a 15-10, and 15-9 season from him with like a block and a half and a steal. Very good efficiency. Like I think he could be near 70%, 65% from the field this year. Because he's not much of a shooter, you're gonna see a lot of, a lot of lobs, a lot of dunks, a lot of just post play from Daniel Gafford, and I think he's really gonna show why he deserves to be a starter in the NBA and why the Bulls gotta stop giving up their young centers. We we're gonna see it with Daniel Gafford. We've seen it with Wendell Carter. The Bulls gotta have some more faith in those centers. Next up, we have Nick Claxton, and I think. Nick Claxton's getting a lot more attention. He got a lot of attention this year for being an elite rim protector. But I think similar to Daniel Gafford, his offense is truly going to break out with this Brooklyn Nets team fully into a rebuild. You know, they'd half the season with Kyrie and Katie on the team. Now Nick Claxton is guaranteed to be the second best player on this Nets team behind Mikael Bridges. I think he's going to be a defensive player of the year level player. I think he's going to grab 11, 12 rebounds a game score 16, 17 points, get two blocks, insanely efficient. Another Daniel Gafford type thing just on another level. I think Nicholas Claxton is going to basically do what we saw for, from him for about half the year, the entire year, and overall better, more efficient, better defense. I think Nicholas Claxton is going to shine as the second option on the Nets, even if they're not that good of a team. 
I think he's going to come out and he's going to be an amazing defensive anchor. And I think the Nets could easily be a top five defensive team in the league next year with Mikal Bridges and Nick Claxton and Ben Simmons if they keep him around and Dorian Finney-Smith. Like they have a lot of good wing defenders, great rim protector Nick Claxton. I think the Nets can surprise a lot of people next year, be a play-in team for sure, and most likely be a top five, six defense in the NBA. We have another wizard. This is a very new Washington wizard. We have Jordan Poole. I don't think this is a surprise for anybody. I've already heard people. I think it was JJ Redick who said he could lead the league in points this year. I think Jordan Poole's scoring is going to be on another level as a Washington wizard. He is the best player on this team. He's going to have the keys. This is his franchise. He can do whatever the hell he wants. And I think he's going to go out there, shoot 24 shots a game, average probably 25, 26 points. Might not be the most efficient, but I think Jordan Poole is going to be one of the best scorers in the league this year. He's going to be a great isolation scorer. He's going to get the basket, hit his threes. Got eight. Honestly, the Washington Wizards roster isn't even that bad. I don't think, like I already talked about Daniel Gafford, I think Kisper is going to be good. I think Jordan Poole next to Tyus Jones in the backcourt is amazing because Poole's playmaking is not a strong suit. But having an amazing playmaker next to Jordan Poole, run him at the two. I think Jordan Poole is going to truly break out once he's given the opportunity. We saw how good he could be when Steph Curry was injured or when Jordan Poole was in the starting lineup. We saw how good he was. It was like 25 points per game as a starter, something like that. I think Jordan Poole is 100% going to come out here in Washington and surprise, probably not even surprise a lot of people. I think this one's pretty obvious. Like, if you were to buy his stock, it's probably not going to go up that much when he does break out because I think a lot of people are expecting this. Fourth, we got Scotty Barnes. I think a lot of people are disappointed in Scotty Barnes, which I think it's very unjust. I think when you have someone like Scotty Barnes who came into the NBA, he didn't have that high of an expectation going into the rookie year. He was considered a raw prospect. He was considered someone with a lot of potential, very high upside, low, low floor, right? He comes out in year one. He exceeds expectations, wins rookie of the year, rightfully so, by the way. He wins rookie of the year, has an amazing rookie season, what, 15, 7, and 3, solid efficiency, good rebounder, good defender. And you think in the offseason of year one, you think, okay, how is he going to improve going into year two? On a team like the Toronto Raptors that has a roster that's built to win, it's hard for someone like Scotty Barnes to truly improve when the team runs it back entirely. He doesn't get any touches freed up, and the team just goes for it again. He got, I think it's something like nearly the same usage percentage, nearly the same field goal attempts, less minutes in year two, and people are still blaming him for this when his stats don't prove and on paper, they look like they've got worse in year two. I think if the Toronto Raptors do part ways with Fred Van Vliet, we already saw them part ways with Nick Nurse. And as a Raptors fan, he was one of the main issues with the development of this team. I think Scotty Barnes can easily jump into like a 18 points, eight rebounds, six assists, one and a half steals, one block, solid efficiency. Like his three-point shot still needs a lot of work. He shot, what, 28%, 29% from three this year. But I think he'll jump right back up to about 50% from the field, maybe like 30% from three. His defense is going to be elite. He was a very good offensive rebounder. I think he'll be an amazing offensive rebounder again. I think he's going to prove a lot of people wrong. 
a lot of people are hating on him, ruling him out, saying he didn't deserve the Rookie of the Year, which I think is ridiculous. But I think he's going to come out here and impress a lot of people in year three. And my last player who I'm going to buy stock on is Devin Vassell. This might be a hot take. I truly believe Devin Vassell will be the best player on the San Antonio Spurs next season. Not Victor Rambanyama, not Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell. He only played something like 36 games this past season, but in those games, he looked incredible. He would have been a most improved player candidate had he played the whole season. He averaged about 18 points. He was a very good three-point shooter. I think in a healthy Spurs system, he's going to be starting at the two. They've got no pressure. They're going to be bad again with Victor. Victor's going to get a lot of touches, but I think Devin Vassell is going to come out, have another most improved player candidate season. He's going to be an all-star candidate. I think he'll average something like 23 points, elite defense, elite three-point shooting, maybe like four rebounds, four assists. I think he's going to fly under the radar. And then by the All-Star break, people are going to be like, oh my God, Devin Vassell is doing this good. I've always been a big fan of Devin Vassell. I think if he can stay healthy the entire year, he's definitely going to be an All-Star candidate in the West. I'm not saying he'll be an All-Star. I don't think he'll make the All-Star team. The West is too loaded, especially at that wing position. But I think he'll seriously be a candidate. He'll be most improved player candidate. And I think he'll jump into that top 10-ish range for shooting guards in the NBA. Now, we can move on to the players whose stock I'm going to sell for this next upcoming season. Once again, this basically just means I think these players are going to have down years. So I'm getting off that stock before it drops. Starting off, I have DeMar DeRozan. I think... DeMar DeRozan is going to take another step back. He had the amazing first year as a Bull, like, what, 27 points per game, MVP candidate in the playoffs. It looked like they were going to be incredible. And then we saw this past season another step down, less efficient, less stat, less counting stats across the board. He's getting up there in age. I just, I just think DeMar DeRozan is going to have another drop this year, and his value is only going to go down. It's not that much to this one. There's not that much to a lot of these selling ones just because there's not as much I can really back it up. It's kind of just my intuition or if later on you'll see if people got moved or they're going to have less touches. You'll see on the next one, actually. Yeah, I think DeMar DeRozan is probably just going to, this is age catching up to him. He's an athletic player in his prime. The mid-range can only get you so many buckets and I think he'll probably drop to something like 22, 21 points per game this year. Zach Levine is probably going to take another step up. So it'll really be Levine's team once again. Uh, it's not really a diss to DeMar. I think he'll still be an elite player. I just think Zach Levine is going to have the full reins of the franchise. DeMar is going to be the full number two. And going into my second player whose stock I'm selling, it is Kristaps Porzingis. He had an amazing season for the Washington Wizards as their little tank commander. And I don't think he'll come anywhere near that as the on the Boston Celtics. And this is the perfect time to sell the stock. It's extremely high right now, and it's only going to plummet. I am not a fan of the Porzingis fit in Boston. The last time we saw Kristaps Porzingis on a contending team was the Dallas Mavericks. He complained, played terribly, and forced his way out, complaining about touches. He did not back anybody down. He sat at the three-point line. His only healthy playoff series, I was looking at this the other day, his only healthy playoff series was on the Mavericks, and he averaged 13 points, 
five rebounds on 29% from three for a seven foot three stretch big. I think Porzingis is going to be a failure in Boston. And this is on video. If this ends up being an awful take, clown me. This is on recording. You guys have audio evidence of me being an idiot if this ends up being a terrible take and the Celtics win it all and Porzingis is amazing. But I am selling my Kristaps Porzingis stock. I think he'll be a Celtic for one year and he'll be somewhere else next year. The Celtics will not want him back. My third player is Brooke Lopez. This is an anomaly season for Brooke Lopez. He's in a contract year. He's coming off two seasons before this where he was nowhere near this level. And then all of a sudden he has an elite season. One of the best defenders in the NBA, apparently. I, I'm, I've never bought into the Brooke Lopez idea. But I think if you are someone who's in, on the Brooke Lopez wave, you sell your stock right now. He is not going to be this good next season. I guarantee it. This was an anomaly contract year. He tried his hardest. And to be honest, this I'm not even high on his defense as much as some other people are. I still think he's the third best defender on his team. I think he sits down low. Giannis and Drew Holiday lead from the perimeter down to the paint. And Brooke Lopez gets a block. That's all it is. And I think he had an amazing season. He was a defensive player of the year candidate but he's not going to do it again. My fourth player, this might shock some people, it is Kawhi Leonard. Now, there's never really a good time to sell Kawhi Leonard stock since he's never healthy. And I think a lot of people are having very high expectations for Kawhi Leonard going into the season because he's supposed to be healthy going into the next season. We'll see what the Clippers do. I think a lot of people are buying into Kawhi Leonard stock, and I am on the opposite end of the spectrum. I think... Kawhi Leonard is going to have another down year. I don't think he'll be healthy again. He'll end up playing 45 games, 50 games, the typical Kawhi Leonard thing. And I think he is going to continuously prove why he's overrated and he is not a top 10 player in the NBA. You heard it here first. Kawhi Leonard has not been a top 10 player in the NBA since 2021. He has not done anything to warrant it. And I think he's only going to get further and further down my top 15 top 20 as the season progresses and my last player that i'm selling the stock of is bradley beal i think the stock is getting high right now just because of the hype around him on the phoenix suns and i have more faith in him on the phoenix suns than i do of porzingis and the boston celtics but i just think he's not going to have the most appealing season he's behind kevin durant he's behind devin booker he might be behind DeAndre Ayton. Who knows? And I think his overall numbers are going to drop. His efficiency might drop too. We haven't seen Bradley Beal on a winning team in a long time playing winning basketball. So we don't really know what to expect from him. But I think we are going to see a down year for Bradley Beal for his standards. And that's kind of just expected. You're going from the number one guy on a bad Wizards team to the potential fourth option on a winning Suns team. So I just think his his stocks in the plummet as the season progresses okay and that is the buying and selling stock now we are on to the way too early award predictions as the title insinuates it is way too early i'll repeat it is june 26th 2023 the season doesn't start till i actually have no idea when the season starts but it's probably not till october or maybe even november and free agency hasn't even really started yet. So 
to be making these predictions before any of that. It's kind of ridiculous. I'll probably make more before the season starts, but these are just, just ones I wanted to throw out there, and I got to fill up the time for this episode anyways. So, you know, let's work our way backwards. I was going to start with MVP, but I think I'll start with, I'll go like the least interesting to the most interesting. So I'll start with, I'll start with six men of the year. My number one for six men of the year, the person who I have winning the award is Norman Powell. I think he was an elite candidate this year. I think he'll be an elite candidate next year. And I don't think Malcolm Brogdon is going to have that big of a campaign. I think Norman Powell is going to win it just based off. He got second place last year. Might as well give it to him this year, you know. And he was an incredibly efficient, what, 16 points per game. Elite three-point shooter. He's a good defender, good rim runner. I think the Clippers desperately need someone like him on their bench. And I think if they're a good playoff team, he'll easily walk away with this award. Going into second place, I have Gary Trent Jr. He was a sleeper pick for the award. He played about half the season off the bench, so I guess didn't really qualify. He averaged about 17 points per game, solid efficiency. Pretty similar to Norman Powell, just less of the explosiveness and less of the stat sheet stuff, and Gary Trent is pretty much a pure scorer. He's still a good defender. He's a good secondary ball handler, and they moved him to the bench once once Jakob Pertl got there, so he didn't really have enough, I guess, bench games to qualify this year, but I think... If they bring back Pirtle, they'll probably run the same lineup, and he'll be a six-man for most of the season, and I think he'll have a serious six-man of the year campaign. My third pick for six-man of the year, my third-place finish, I should say, is Emmanuel Quickly. Similar to Norman Powell, I believe Emmanuel Quickly finished third in the race this year behind Norman Powell and Malcolm Brogdon. I think he's a big part to the next offense, and I think he'll have a better season than he did this past year, but I don't think it'll be enough to put him any higher than third. Great score, not that much of anything else. Not the best defender, not the most consistent, which I think Norman Powell and Gary Trent Jr. just do what Emmanuel quickly does better with with the defensive upside. Next up, let's get into most improved player. My winner of the award, I have Mikal Bridges winning it. I know we saw him jump up to like 17, 18, maybe even 19 points per game at the end of this year after the Kevin Durant deal. But I seriously believe Mikel Bridges can jump to a 25, 26 points per game guy. Elite efficiency, elite defense. I think Mikel Bridges will be an all-star next year. And I think that warrants him winning most of the player as a number one guy on the Brooklyn Nets. We don't really know where they finish. You already heard me talk about it when I brought up Nick Claxton. I think they'll be around a play-in team, probably like the eighth seed. Because the East isn't looking too good this upcoming season with the Bulls getting worse, the Hawks getting worse, the Wizards getting worse. We don't know about the Raptors. Like The play-in is not very dangerous in the Eastern Conference. I think the Nets could definitely be a playoff team going into next season. My number two finish is Jordan Poole. I think this one's also pretty self-explanatory. I already talked about I think Jordan Poole's going to average 24, 25 points. I don't think it'll be efficient, but I think it'll be enough to warrant him being in the most improved player race. I just realized Jordan Poole and my third place guy I've already talked about. It's Devin Vassell. I Like I said before, I think Devin Vassell will be an all-star candidate in the Western Conference. I think he'll be a 23 points per game scorer, good efficiency, good three-point shooting, good defender. I think he'll kind of just be like a Macal Bridges mini going into the next season. Not as good as a Macal Bridges pretty much at anything, but he'll still be a good, be good comparison. Jesus, another voice crack. That reminds me, in the first episode, I got absolutely called out for the voice crack I had. 
by pretty much everybody who listened to it. And well, there's another memeable one. So I'm glad there's already some memes and some culture coming out of the podcast. But yeah, Devin Vassell, Jordan Poole, and Macau Bridges winning the award. And to recap for sixth man of the year, Manuel quickly third, Gary Trent Jr. second, and Norman Powell first. Now let's get into the defensive player of the year. My defensive player of the year winner is OG Ananobi. I think OG Ananobi was the best perimeter defender in the NBA this past season. He led the league in steals, was an elite perimeter defender, a good rim protector. He had, I don't know the exact stat, but basically he did the best job guarding the best players in the NBA. It was something about, I believe it was, he held the 2023 All-Stars to the least points per possession in the NBA, which is incredible. I think he'll get a bigger opportunity on the defensive end and the offensive end next year. And he was second in the defensive player of the year race before he got hurt. People don't remember that. He was number two, and it was right around the All-Star break. Then he had an injury, and he dropped out to like eight, which is ridiculous. He never brought, he never got it back up. He's an all-defensive second-team guy. If he can stay healthy, I have him winning the defensive player of the year. Number two, I have Jaron Jackson Jr., elite rim protector. For a big man, he's a he's good at switching. He's solid on the perimeter. He's He can last on the perimeter at least. Elite shot blocker, like I said. I think just just based on the name alone, reigning defensive player of the year, he'll come in at second. I think he's a great defender. I don't think he'll win back-to-back defensive player of the years, though, especially with Marcus Smart on his team going up to the next season. And in third, I have Evan Mobley. I think Mobley is the anchor of the Cavs defense. Not as much as Jared Allen is. I think Jared Allen's a little bit overrated on the defensive end. I think Mobley's the true, true anchor of that team. I think he's going to come in. He's going to get his two blocks. He's going to get his eight, nine rebounds. All the advanced stats love Evan Mobley. He's an up-and-coming guy. He's definitely going to win a defensive player of the year at some point in his career. I don't think it's going to be this season, but it's going to happen pretty soon. And now let's get on to the rookie of the year. It's crazy that rookie of the year is considered a more fun award than the defensive player of the year, but it is. I think number one is pretty obvious. It's pretty unanimous. I have Victor Wembanyama winning the Rookie of the Year award. But one thing I do want to talk about is people have to stop overrating this kid. He averaged 21 points and like nine rebounds in the French League. And there are some people genuinely believing he's going to come out and average like 25 points, 12 rebounds, three blocks, be an all-star, be all-NBA at 19 years old. Like, it's not going to happen. This is not NBA 2K. This kid is not Wilt Chamberlain. He is going to average probably something like 19 points, nine rebounds, like two blocks. He'll probably hit a couple threes. He's not going to be going out taking Kevin Durant step-back threes like he is in France. This is the NBA This is not the Metropolitans 92 or 72. I don't want to show any disrespect to that league, but it's the NBA. And I know Luka Doncic, I think last year said it's easier to get 30 in the NBA than it is in in Europe. But respectfully, Victor Wembanyama is not going to come out and absolutely obliterate the NBA like a lot of people seem to think. And number two, I have a guy who I think is getting way too much disrespect. I have Brandon Miller. I think Brandon Miller is going to finish second in the rookie of the year race. I think I have a very, very good season. Probably something like 17 points, six rebounds, two assists, 
elite three-point shooting. He'll be a four, I think he'll be a 40% three-point shooter as a rookie. I can certainly see it. I think the only thing Brandon Miller truly has to work on is his rim finishing and just overall aggression to the basket. When you're six foot nine, you got to be able to finish better than he does. He's a pretty atrocious rim finisher. But his shooting is already there, and Brandon Miller is getting so much uncalled for slander. We heard it when he was picked over Scoot Henderson, and we're still hearing it today, a couple days later. People are slandering this guy's name, and I think he'll prove all of the doubters wrong. And now, pretty obviously, number three in my rookie of the year race is going to be Scoot Henderson. This is all kind of dependent on what the Portland Trailblazers do. We still do not know. June 26th, we still do not know what the Portland Trailblazers are doing. But I think Scoot Henderson will be something like a 16 points, three rebounds, five assists, six assists. Not the most efficient, probably a couple turnovers. But I don't think there's anybody else in the class who is going to have that good of a rookie season. I think these three are the pretty obvious answers for the rookie of the year race whether it's victor one scoot two brandon three or brandon one scoot two victor three whatever it is these guys are the top three picks for a reason and i think they're going to finish top three in the rookie of the year race i mean a sleeper pick would be chet holmgren if you're higher on him but i'm not i don't think chet's gonna have that good of a year i think he'll be an all rookie teamer but i think chet will do something like 12 points eight rebounds, a block and a half. And I think Chet is going to be pretty inefficient. I just think people kind of overrate his jump shot a little bit and he'll be forced into shooting and it's not going to work out like some people think it will. And I think Chet, yeah, he'll shoot like 43% from the field. And for a big man of his size, that's pretty bad. But cut him some slack. He's in his quote-unquote rookie season after the injury, missing the entire real rookie season. So... He'll definitely be an all-rookie teamer this year. And the last award to hand out today is the most valuable player. And, you know, I'm going to go from three to one for this one just to make it a little bit more a little more of an anticipation, you know. So, started off in my third place for the regular season MVP for the 2023-2024 NBA season. Way too early predictions, by the way. This is not my final ballot. I have Shea Gilgis Alexander coming in third. I think the Thunder are an absolute dark horse in the Western Conference. I think they can be a playoff team, and I think they can upset. They can seriously upset whoever they match up. I don't I don't think any team in the Western Conference should rule out the OKC Thunder. I think Shea is going to average another clean 30 points per game, elite efficiency, and with the team success, that's just going to put them right into the MVP race. No debate. Shea Gilgis-Alexander will be a top five in MVP guy. Even if you don't have him third, he will be top five. He will be top five. And now at number two for my 2023-2024 MVP race, way too early. Once again, I have Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think Giannis has a new chip on his shoulder after this past playoff run. He had a lot of disrespect, a lot of slander. I think people forget who Giannis Antetokounmpo is, what type of player he is when he's healthy. And truthfully, I think he got greatly overshadowed by Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid this year. He was having an incredible season. He led the Bucs to, I believe, the best record in the NBA. And he was still third in MVP race. I would, to be honest, put Giannis over Jokic in this year's MVP race. But he fell, and I think he's going to come in. 
that new level of like he's got the the desire to win another MVP, win another championship. I mean, the Bucks are my 2024 NBA championship prediction too. So I think Giannis is going to finish number two. He's going to have probably the best season of his career. I can definitely foresee that. He's going to shut a lot of people up for the disrespect they showed him in this. Another voice crack. Jesus. I'm not cutting any of these out. This is all authentic. This is what the Plex Pod's all about, the voice crack. I'm going to rename it the voice crack pod. But yeah, I think Giannis is going to come out. He's going to have the best season of his career and show all the haters why they're just haters and they're not real analysts and they don't know what they're talking about. And number one, I've been on this bandwagon for two straight seasons now. My MVP for the 2023-2024 NBA season is Luka Doncic. I think the Dallas Mavericks have already had an amazing offseason. They've acquired Rashawn Holmes. It's just another, another big man. Another big man to take minutes from Dwight Powell. It is what it is. They got Olivia Maxis Prosper, which I'm already high on. They're going to bring back Kyrie Irving 100% if they don't relocate the franchise to Shanghai, whatever you have to do. And I think they're going to make even more moves to make this a very good roster. And I think they will be a playoff team. And I think Luka is going to put up his NBA 2K-like stats again, 30-point triple-double, whatever it's going to be. This has already been the betting odd favorite and the prediction for two straight seasons now. It's going to happen this year. Luka Doncic is going to win this year as MVP. And all right, that is it. That is the buying and selling stock and the way too early award predictions. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. You know, it's a solo episode. A little bit harder to carry a whole episode on my own. I will say that. So it's probably just about half an hour, I'm guessing. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and... I'll see you guys next week.